0: Week 19, and I'm coming to you, I'm going to bear a little bit of my soul, which I try to do, because I think it's important that we have authentic expression with each other, right? I hope that's what you give me, and that's what I want to give you. When Moses asked God his name before he returned to Egypt to set God's people free, God says, tell the people, I am that I am, translated in Hebrew, that is the Tetragrammaton, Four consonants, Y-H-W-H, and that's translated to I am, meaning the self-existent one is the one who's sending you, Moses. That's who you're talking to. When Jesus walked the earth, uh, he was in a great debate with the leaders of religion in his day, and it culminated in this exchange found in John eight fifty one. Jesus says, hey, verily, verily, I say unto you, If a man keeps my saying, he will never see death. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know you have a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, that he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead, who thou makest yourself? And Jesus said, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. He said, Jesus said, Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like you. But I know him, and I keep his sayings. And Jesus says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. I mean, this is radical stuff Jesus is saying to these religious leaders. And the Jews said to him, Thou art not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Uh oh. Jesus just said to them, look, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. They said, you're not even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. And he said, look at, before Abraham even was, I am showing what, who was in Christ, uh, the, the Jesus, the man of Nazareth, the I am. And they took up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst to them and passed by. We know from Paul that by faith, Christ lives in us. Therefore, by faith, I am lives in us. God lives in us. Christ is the I am. God is the I am. And and they live in us by the Spirit. We have I am, the self-existent one in us. What does that look like, though? And I'm coming to you really troubled over some things of light that are on my mind. Paul said that all things become new when we become a Christian. Does that mean all things become new like the color of our eyes, the the shape and form of our frame, the way God made us, our gifts, our talents, our mentalities? Do they all become brand new? I think in one sense, spiritually, they might, but in another sense, it plagues me. I've long struggled with what does it mean to to a human being who has God in them? What does it mean to that person that was beautifully and wonderfully made in the womb of their mother? That they came forward with talents and skills and traits and perspectives and that when Christ moves in, what happens to that person? Now, some people will say that person dies. And I understand that we die to what our negative stuff is, but do we die to who God made us to be? And, And what does it amount to in each person when God is in them? What does it actually look like? Are we all to become the same thing? In the same expression, culture is what demands this, especially religious culture. Uh, we are broadcasting out of Salt Lake City, Utah, and that is a cultural phenomenon. If you go to Afghanistan or you go to Kazakhstan or a predominantly Muslim country, you will see culture predominantly govern the things of the people. And... It it causes, culture causes faithful people with God in them to take how God made them and make it conform to the way the culture demands. We see it in speech patterns and we see it in lifestyles and interests and sometimes in dress and diet, beards or no beard, Uh, entertainments enjoyed i have struggled so mightily over this throughout my entire life Uh, and and so you have to say what happens when god moves in do we are we supposed to comport ourselves and conform to the way a culture deems you to be and you know am i to assume that god wants that too he wants um, a, a homogeneous group or does he want heterogeneity where you know it, you reach into the bag and you pull out a bunch of different things that are all suited to operate in different ways and when we look at what uh, what paul talked about the body of christ and how we're all different parts It shows that a homogenous approach to cultural, religious culture is not what God wants. He has created us beautifully and wonderfully. And in the body of Christ, there are the eyes and the face and the hair and and the fingers and the arms and the legs and all the internal organs that cause that body to function in different ways. And because Paul likened the, the, the body of Christ, the believers in Christ to a body, a physical person, we know that some things are not as popular as others. Some things aren't as beautiful as others. Paul goes and he makes the point that it's the unattractive things in the body that are more important. You know, the, the gray matter is not as nearly as attractive as a human face. But that gray matter keeps us thinking and moving and operating, right? So I'm confronted by this because culture drives me crazy, literally nuts. In other words, is the way God made you with I am in your heart supposed to reflect outwardly a certain expectation that he has? I realize that in our flesh dwells no good thing. But if God is dwelling in my flesh as the I am, Christ in me, am I to forfeit the uniqueness of personality, traits, interests, ways I like to spend my time, things that I enjoy, the people I like to relate to for a different community, Uh, you know, are we supposed to, as believers, all fit into this homogenous community? That's like all fitting into the blob. It's like a giant jellyfish. It's all the same matter, you know? Is that what we're supposed to uh, to do? Um, Because that is what most of Christianity and its different expressions does. It comports itself, the individual members, to the collective culture that it's a part of. The Mormons look like Mormons. Now Catholics are a little bit different. There's a little more autonomy there, but generally speaking, you can tell somebody who sees themselves as a devout evangelical Christian in this world. You know it by several factors that they put forward to us. And so you can see that I'm I'm animated by this and I'm tormented by the subject. Because I can't find, I'm, I'm burying my heart to you, I can't find a cultural home in this world for myself. Um, as a believer. And it's not because I can't or won't, it's not because I can't conform. Um, I can, I did that as a Mormon. And, and I played the game and I wore the right clothes And I had the lack of tattoos and didn't have the facial hair while inwardly I was being destroyed because of the inauthentic approach to living that I was making because it was not in harmony, the outward expression with what I was feeling inside. People will say it's because you're proud that you don't conform. It's like saying that a bear is proud because it doesn't conform to the ways of a penguin. You know, God made us to serve in the body with the way he made us. And yet we are constantly trying to get people to become what we all think should be. And we refuse to see the beauty in the... uh, in the heterogeneity of of, uh, the body, of believers. And I guess I'm frustrated because every now and then I am hit with the reminders that people expect this. And it doesn't bug me when it's people expect it who don't know you, but when people know you and they expect it, that becomes painful, because what they're saying is, we don't embrace your way. Uh, we want you to become more like our way. And that was all through the, the LDS religion that I was part of. And it's certainly part of the evangelical community. So I'm tormented. You, I can conform, but it's an expression of inauthenticity in my soul. It's like the heart trying to become the liver, you know? So... Um, I have to constantly ask, and maybe you're the same way. God, are you okay with me? I mean, I, I I love you and I know you're in me and I walk by faith and I seek to love others, but are you okay with the way I am? Because everybody else in the culture seems to think that, that I'm not. And am I in your will? Am I conforming to the things that are important to you? And do I need to change and become more like what the Christians around me look like, speak like, act like? Should I be excited to watch the chosen? I've had dozens of people tell me, you gotta watch the chosen. I say, I don't wanna watch the chosen. You gotta watch the chosen. I said, first of all, it's a fictionalized account of Jesus. I couldn't take three minutes of it. Well, it's, just shut up. I don't want to watch The Chosen. It's not how I think. Aesthetically, it's not about what I'm about. Well, you should come to this Christian concert. This Christian band's coming and it's going to be a great worship. Shut up. I allow you to go. I don't tell you not to go, but you tell me I should go when I know I don't want to relate to that culture. It has nothing to do with what I think is authentic. As a means to be authentic before God and man, which is my ultimate personal goal as a Christian, and which means to let my heart for God be expressed. My heart for God be expressed in what I do and say through my authentic self I find myself having to constantly do several things. First, I have to, and I'm just speaking, hoping you, hoping that if you're like me, you can relate. I have to reject what I find unpalatable. And I have to reject it kindly and gently and openly, but reject it nonetheless. Years ago, uh, I was offered several different major opportunities to conform they started when we did a television show that was popular here in the west uh utah idaho and other places and and um i would get christians and mormons constantly focusing on me changing the way i look okay it's been the source of my life since i was born change the way you look my mormon mother always wanted me to look a certain way the Mormon members, the Christian members, Baptists, everybody constantly trying to dictate, you need to do this, okay? Now, I did that for a while as a Mormon, but now that I'm not, it still comes. They want you to look like they look. And I had to decide, you know, am I going to conform to that or not? And I said, I'm not gonna conform to it because I'm gonna be authentic and I wanna reach people through a message that they deem and discern as true. Not as being um, um, curated and, and culturally representable as true. True for me is straight out, no rehearsal, say it. Don't do dubs, don't do retakes. If things get messed up, so what? If there's typos in the book, who gives a damn? We are going to just be what we are and we're not gonna try to make our presentation influence you in the sense of it being right and perfect. We want it just to be real and that's been the way we've always done it. And so I had that onslaught of corrections constantly. They still come in, right? And then I was invited to be host our show on the in on the largest christian television uh distributor in the world tbn uh trinity broadcast network out of costa mesa california and the literal owner founder paul whatever his name was he got his assistant to call me and say hey you want we want you on tbn And, you know, hey, you start to see fame and you start to see more money and you start to see a huge audience, right? And once that audience sees what we're about, man, we are gonna be set. I thought all that. And they told me how much it was going to be, $4,000 a week. And at that time, we're doing negative $4,000 a week. And, And I had to say, am I gonna be about money? Am I going to be about pretense, how I look when I get on TBN? Are they going to make me do certain things so that I can be more presentable to the culture? Am I going to then petition people constantly like TBN shows do for support, for money, and make it about money? Or are we going to say no? We said no. We're not going to exchange how we see the world Because that's what the culture, as big of a culture as TVN says we should be, would dictate. Later, a couple years later, five years later, I was invited by a producer of a conservative religious host. He's on TV now still. And that conservative religious host, for some reason, their producers thought, I would be a great guy to be a commentator on their show. And this guy was so conservative and so about Christianity leading the way in American politics that I was kind of perplexed that why they would ask me. And the the circle of influence I had at that time, they all gathered around. They said, you got to do this, Sean. And, you you know, you just got to kind of, you know, bring something to the table that honors Christ, that honors the faith, you know and maybe tone back a little bit on some of the stuff and, and, and just get in there and get on that show. So I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, uh, and finally I wrote to the producer and I said, I don't think you know who I am. Do you really want me to be a commentator on this conservative Christian show about the faith? Honestly? I, I, I mean, it was that short of something, like with a question mark and then, and they, uh, they didn't respond. I never, never heard from again. They didn't follow up with the taping we were supposed to do in a week. None of that was just dropped. I guess they went and watched a few other shows and realized, I'm not going to be edited by, by politics. I'm going to say on this conservative show, Jesus doesn't have anything to do with this stuff. You know? So these decisions we make, are, are we going to be how God made us in the body? Or are we going to try to change from being the fingernail to being the tongue? You know, are we gonna try to become a homogenous group that we all look and speak and act alike? Or are we gonna be, have enough courage to do what we're called to do and be what we're called to be? That's why I love John the Baptist. My favorite hero besides Christ. And then the third is David. But John the Baptist, forget it, the guy ruled, right? The authenticity to let the I am overcome the things that are sinful and negative in us, but to allow the I am to work with us as we are, as He made us, without becoming the religion. In order for me to survive emotionally, even psychologically, uh, as a believer and to retain some dedication to truth and who God made me, I've had to come to see that I've had to learn to see all expressions of the faith as acceptable. And that means I've had to learn to appreciate people who like the Christian concerts and who enjoy the worship sessions. And and. I have to approach them with humility and kindness and long-suffering, realizing that that is not the way I would go. And if if people like oboe music and dressing the same and sappy videos that are poorly done or well done, I'm sorry, or glossy books that are, you know, really, really, in the sense of a Thomas Kincaid painting, and they like their life to look like that. Fine, if they are Christians who are the Tommy Bahama Christian, and they wear their their pastors have the right hairdo, the right proportion of tan to body, sinewy shape, and the right wife who looks the right way, and the kids, the family, Instagram vacations. I have to love them and accept them as a viable part of the body. That's been hard for me to do too. And if I look at a gang of Christian bikers, and they are bikers for Jesus, and they're on their Harleys on Sundays, and they take over a cafe, I have to appreciate that that is them being who they are, and they fit into that category, and for me to love them and embrace them as believers, Uh, looking at all of it, God knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. Scripture says that's what he looks at. And not on the outward appearances. That's what man looks on. And including those outward appearances that are curated by culture. I trust, though at times I get weary, that God does accept us as we are moves into us as he's made us and uses us in this capacity to do his will. And I know it takes strength and commitment to authentic Christian living, whether it's at the end of beautiful Thomas Kincaid paintings and, 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 and and whatever else comes along with that, um, or it is in whatever you are meant to be. So while I realize that most Christians find a cultural community in the nice things of life, I do not. I don't care about them. I'm not interested in them. I'm not interested in any of it. And, and it's a lonely place. It's hard to relate. And, and it's hard to be understood. But uh, the Apostle Paul wrote something important. It's been on my mind. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself servant to all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews and to them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law and to them that are without as without the law Uh, that I might gain them that are without the law. To To the weak I became as the weak, that I might gain the weak. And I am made all things to all men that by all means I might save some. I would take those words of Paul and adapt them to myself and say this. For though I be free from all men, yet I've made myself servant to the lost. I've made myself servant to the misunderstood, the maligned, the artists. That I might gain the more, and unto the sinners I became as a sinner. That I might gain the sinners, to them that are insane, I am insane, that I might gain them that are under insanity. To them that are artistic, individualistic, who love music and art, and uh, I do this so that I, I may gain them that are of the same mindset. To the weak, I expose my weaknesses. To the drunk, I have a drink. Whatever it might be in the lower echelons of life, I'm that body part, and I can't do anything about it. Call me the large intestine. Do whatever you want, but that's my lot. To reach people authentically with Christ who cannot relate to religious mindsets, to religious culture, We've recently announced a series of books. They're called the Don't Fuck With series. It's don't F dot dot K. So we're not rude enough in the, in the books to uh, use the F word over and over because even among the, the lost F words is known as being reprehensible. One of our more sensitive friends and, and family in the faith who live their life in the higher echelons of Christian culture, don't seem to understand this approach to ministry. That we're here to reach the lost. We have some people who are conservatively minded, who, who, who don't believe this is Christian, who are pushed back. And I imagine that is going to be the response from most Christians who dwell in the Tommy Bahama realm of Christianity. That's how they think. That's how they are. I don't blame them. They can do that. But the purpose of our ministry is lost on them when they don't realize that we are here to reach people that that title would grab We're here to reach the lost, the people angry at their parents raising them in a religion that lied to them. We're here to reach the people who know they've been lied to by religious institutions with the title of don't F with Jesus, don't F with God, don't F with the gospel. They're going to read it. So we know it's not to please the mature believers in Christ. It's not to reach... uh, It's to reach into the world of deeply troubled people, our youth especially, in colleges who are being mocked for ever having been Christian, who are believing that there is no God, that we're all the product of slime being struck by lightning... And when they pass by that, they might stop and say, oh yeah, what does that mean? And then we are authentically doing our job with I am in us and are acting out and playing out the part we are in the body of believers today. If you don't like that, it's okay. I don't like your end of the spectrum either. But at least try to appreciate what we're doing and that it is in the name and cause of Christ. And I encourage you, if you relate to this message, that you do the same. You don't do what pleases me. You don't do what pleases people in cult or in the world of religion. You let the I am live and dwell in you and you authentically do what you are made to do. Love you guys.